Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Let me tell you how much I hate basketball. Oh my God. When we had to play basketball in seventh grade, there was like a required skill set. You had to be able to do a layup. I can't do a layup to save my life. I can't do a free throw. Free throw? Yeah. Free throw. Yeah. I can't dunk. I can't do anything. So here's what I did instead. Shout out to Erica and Doug, who are also in my PE class. We formed our own cheerleading squad (laughs) that just stood on the sidelines. (laughs) And shared a positive attitude, positive <laughs> attitude. Oh, I hope there's a routine to go with that. We made a pyramid. <laughs> From WMYC Studios, this is Nancy. With your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Too. So, Tobes, we're not great with sports. Mm -hmm. But you know who is good at sports? Like, really good. Andrea Yearwood. She's in high school. She lives in Connecticut. And her family? They're all athletes. Both of Andrea's parents have athletic backgrounds. Her father played football at McAllister College. And her mom uh, now actually does fitness stuff. So they're a very athletic family. This is Katie Barnes. I'm a writer reporter for ESPNW and ESPN.com. You have a very cool job. (laughs) (laughs) It's the four magic letters. Yeah. So, Katie, you're the one who introduced me to Andrea. You wrote a piece about her for ESPN magazine. How did you find out about her? I first became aware of Andrea um, because of an article in the Hartford Current. Um, I live in Hartford and I'm based in Connecticut. And so I get local news sometimes. And... um, I read the article and just thought that she was a really cool kid. Like Katie said earlier, Andrea's family is very athletic. She and her siblings all have to play a sport each season, no exceptions. I began running track in about seventh grade, um, middle school, yeah. This, of course, is Andrea. So I had already done like gymnastics, dance, swimming, like all these football, even like all these other sports. And I was like, now what do I do? Because I, I don't want to do them again if I already did them. So I was like, oh, like, let's try out track. And I guess I took it, like, really lightheartedly. Like, I remember I used to, like, um, skip the warm-up flap sometimes or, like, not do all the drills. But I just wasn't that into it in middle school. But then in high school, everyone has their own event that they do, like, like you're a sprinter, a jumper, a thrower. So you can really pinpoint on that one area which you're really good at. High school track was also different because for the first time, Andrea was able to run on the girls' track team. She started to come out to her parents um, and begin the process of socially transitioning late in middle school. And so going to high school was an opportunity to kind of reset. She got to introduce herself as Andrea. She was known as Andrea. The policy in Connecticut lets the school districts decide what is the appropriate category for their athletes to compete in. And you can't discriminate based on gender identity or gender expression or sexual orientation. And so in effect, what they have done is said, yo, schools, you decide what you want to do. But by the way, if a kid is telling you that they are a transgender girl, they get to compete with girls. 
like full stop. So you don't have to do any kind of name change, any kind of birth certificate change, any kind of hormones, certainly no surgery. Uh So it's a very inclusive and open policy. And Connecticut has that policy, and then so do 16 other states, including the District of Columbia. So Andrea being trans wasn't an issue for her school, and it wasn't an issue for the rest of the people in her life either. No one treated me differently on the track team. Um, Yeah, I was like any other girl on the track team. Nothing else really changed. Most kids in the school knew I was transgender. I don't know, it wasn't like a shock. I think everybody kind of expected it. I think if I was still on the male team, people would be like, why are you still on the male team? Did you anticipate it being weird, like your first day of workouts? I think I did, yes. Um, Because obviously I'm a freshman. I don't know any of the sophomores, juniors, or seniors. So I didn't know how they would react. I I only knew the kids in my grade, so I I didn't know how they would react to me being on the track team. But everybody was fine with it. I think no one said anything or anything like that. And so she was able to really build on those relationships and be affirmed in who she is as a person. And that of course, comes out, you know, in athletic competition and that you're not dealing with all those mental burdens um, and mental difficulties that you might be if you were, if she were in a different situation. A lot of the positive stuff is like in person, like at track meets, for example, people that I don't know will come up to me and be like, oh, like, good job, Andrea, or Andrea, like, you're really good at track, you know, nothing really heartwarming and things like that. So basically, things were good for Andrea. Only very occasionally did she have to confront negativity. I was actually there doing an interview when she received her first negative social media comment about her being trans. She hands me her phone and is like, oh, this happened today. And in the comments uh, on an innocuous picture, she is standing not even in a track uniform. I think there's another friend that's like on her back. And there's a comment, someone that she doesn't know, uh, said something about how, you know, she should leave running to real girls. And I remember asking her if this is the first time this had happened, and she said yes. And it wasn't like there wasn't any attention on Andrea's story. Local media picked it up. The Hartford Current did that story Katie read. There was some local TV. But mostly, Andrea was able to live her life unbothered. I was spending time uh, reporting on a number of transgender athletes, and at the high school level, I was paying particular attention to two athletes. Andrea was one of them, and the other was Mac Beggs, a transgender boy who wrestled in Texas. You know, when I was in Texas, I was at a wrestling meet, and I could hear kids talking in the stands about Mac. And it was not friendly. It was not nice at all. And there were a couple of people that were standing up for him, but I was shocked about how brazen the criticism was and how loud it was. And for Andrea, that kind of negativity just was not present, at least during that first year, her freshman season. Um, it was, you know, people whispering on the side. It was not people in her face and not even on social media that much, aside from the comment that I witnessed that day. Then, her sophomore year, everything changed. She had won state in indoor season in the 55 meter, And similarly to what happened the year prior, it was pretty quiet. You know, there wasn't anything huge um, in terms of media coverage. But then when outdoor season starts, Andrea is no longer running alone as a transgender girl. Terry Miller is another runner in Connecticut who is a transgender girl. 
and she started competing in the girls category during sophomore outdoor season. She's the same age as Andrea, and they compete in the same class. I thought it was so cool that I wasn't the only transgender athlete running. Like I thought, and even she reached out to me on Snapchat and was like, what can I do to start transitioning within my school? Like, what did you do in your transition process that can help me? And I helped her through that. And through that we both became really close. I thought this was, I got really excited that I had someone to like share this experience with before I didn't have anyone. And it also showed the impact that I was having on other transgender athletes. Like she, she had told me that if it weren't for me, she might not have done it. And that just was also very heartwarming. And it made me want again, want to push to continue to do what I've been doing. So Andrea was really happy to have Terry competing. But having two transgender girls running in Connecticut suddenly brought a lot of attention to them, especially because they were both winning. The two of them went 1-2 in the state that year, and all hell broke loose after that. And so almost every time there's a conversation about transgender athletes at the high school level, you will almost always see runners in Connecticut, and that refers to Andrea and Terry. Huh. You know, there's a reason that there are 17 states with this policy, and we only talk about one state with two athletes. They certainly are not the only transgender athletes competing in the state of Connecticut, and they certainly aren't the only transgender athletes competing in those 17 states. But they're the ones that are winning. Coming up after the break, Andrea goes from a high school track athlete to someone being debated in Congress. Nancy will be right back. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex, of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. So it's Andrea's sophomore track season. Terry Miller is another high school sprinter. They compete together. They're both winning. And all of a sudden, it's national news. Now, to a GMA exclusive, two transgender high school runners, well, they're kicking up dust in Connecticut, taking the top spots at the state girls' championship, leaving parents wondering if they have an unfair advantage. Lindsay Davis is here, and you sat down with the track stars to talk all about this. Oh, my God. I mean, for, before we were like just, you know, people recognized that she was competing. People recognized she was winning. People recognized she was transgender. This is Ngozi, Andrea's mom. We had a couple of, you know, whatever articles written, but, you know, for the most part, low key, lower key than, than it is now. Now, like we got the, the president's son tweeting about us. <laughs> Trump's son. <laughs> Tweeting about us. What's so funny is when I saw it, I was like, oh, yes, look at us. But then I was like, oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) It's definitely conservative media that is the most interested in this story. Breitbart, Newsbusters, Newsmax. um, And that'll even filter up into Fox News. Before uh, these athletes get on hormones, then they have all of the athletic capabilities of, of men. And in Connecticut, these parents have said, It's not fair. 
I think it's important that they have an opportunity to compete, but I think they're better served if they haven't started the hormone stuff, that they compete with their sex. So we went from a place for freshman year where the criticism was simmering. It was, you know, quiet. It was whispers. Um, it wasn't exactly a full-throated campaign to, over the course of two years, I think really culminating with the petition that came out of Glastonbury um, that was aimed to force the Connecticut High School Association to change their policy and effectively remove Terry and Andrea from competition. Um, it went nowhere. It didn't get a whole bunch of signatures, but it was really the first time that Andrea and Terry had to confront the fact that there were people who really didn't want them to run. Andrea's competitors who have a problem with her, what exactly are they upset about? There's a certain feeling that um, they're not getting something that they feel belongs to them or that should be theirs uh, because somebody has an unfair advantage, not just a regular athletic advantage. I mean, it's dressed up as a concern about fairness. I think that there are folks who certainly feel that they should be on a podium and they just missed. And if Andrea and Terry hadn't been running, they would have been on it. And then there are folks who just feel that it doesn't matter what Andrea and Terry do, that they shouldn't ever be allowed to compete, period. I think that within track, there are unfair advantages like in itself. For example, people may have personal trainers that could then further help them run faster or, like, get stronger muscles, things of the sort, while others may not, and that would in turn cause people who have personal trainers to run faster. So I don't think me apparently having an uh, unfair advantage really, I don't think it should be singled out. For now, the Connecticut Athletic Association is holding firm on their inclusive policy. And despite the ongoing media attention, Andrea says she really doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about herself as a transgender athlete. I don't think maybe with my friends and my family, it like really ever comes up because I think they're all used to it. It depends on the situation, but averagely, I don't talk about it all that much at all. Plus, she has bigger things to worry about. Come on in. Hi. The day Katie and I went to interview her, her mom was helping her get ready for prom. After this interview, I'm supposed to do my hair. And after my hair is done, I'm supposed to go to the West Horms Mall and get my makeup done at MAC. And after that, I'm going to my dad's house to take pictures of like at his house. Then prom. And then after prom, I'm supposed oh. to be hanging hang out with Malay and Courtney at... A hotel party. What? Hold on. <laughs> Why am I just hearing about this? I don't know. I'm so glad you asked, because <laughs> I wouldn't have known. You didn't say anything about hotel party. Whose hotel party? What hotel? You know, like, just, that's just who she is. Like, she likes to kind of push the envelope a little bit. And I mostly deal with adults. So, you know, I interview adult athletes and... For me, it really underscored how young she is, and not like in a bad way. It's not that she's juvenile or she's immature, quite the opposite. But that when we're having these conversations about transgender athletes at the high school level, that it's important to remember that they're teenagers, you know? And she'll be like, oh, well, I'm not going to let other people keep me down. I'm just going to like keep doing what I need to do. Like, I don't care what other people think. Um, but also, like, she's a teenage girl. Of course, she cares what other people think in a certain regard. 
And for Ngozi, all the attention definitely has an impact. I think I internalize it more than she does. Because, I mean, because that's my child. You know what I mean? I brought her into this world. I try to protect her. You want to keep your children away from those things that might harm them. Have you ever experienced negativity in person? Not directly to me, but I've been at trap meets where I've heard comments. We were in New Haven. Was it New Haven? No, we were in Hartford at a track meet, um, a smaller track meet, indoor season. And there was these two girl track athletes that were just, you know, making comments about Andrea, how they thought it was unfair, da 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 And, um, you know, I, I tried to keep calm because they're kids, right? But the girl kept going. So I, I turned around and I said, excuse me. I said, you know, totally respect your opinion, but I'm Andrea's mother, and I would appreciate it if you kept your opinions to yourself at this point. And so, you know, she was like, oh, oh. And so actually, even 30 minutes later, one of the friends came up and apologized for that. Now, it wasn't like an outburst, but again, just the vocal display of disrespect. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, again, nothing direct. I'm waiting for the moment. <laughs> I'm waiting for the moment. Right? It's funny because, um, you know, sometimes I'm looking for someone to say something to me. I'm looking because I, I, I just, there's so much ignorance out there, and I think people just need to be educated. But yes, no one directly, always kind of a, a surrounding type of noise, type of atmosphere. I find it a very passive aggressive type of way to handle the situation, and I am no way passive aggressive. <laughs> so that frustrates me, right? If you want to, if you want to say something, here I am. You know, I mean, here my, you know, not that I would let my daughter engage in something like that, but we, you know, we're not trying to hide. This is not some, you know, game we're playing. And so I think if you're going to be true to your beliefs and your opinions, again, stop playing games. Let's hash it out. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the criticism that is leveled against Andrea is that, you know, her running isn't fair. I hate that word sometimes. Mm. Why do you hate that word? Fair is it's about context, right? It's about how you look at the situation. And I think that usage of the word fair is very one-sided on their end. You know, you don't want her to run, right? I mean, this is what she does to, you know, to enjoy and to be who she wants to be. Is that fair and to not allow her to do that? Because you allow your child to do that. Why can't my child do that? So this, the term fair, I think, is subjective. It's very subjective. Benghazi has three other kids, all with different activities, but she goes to as many of Andrea's track meets as possible. She wants Andrea to know that she's got support. I, I try to be with her as much as possible, like right next to her. There's often times if there's a clear path, I'm running with her. I'm running right down the sideline with her, especially when she's doing the 100 meter. Now I might not make it to the end <laughs> as quickly as she does. And I'm loud and I'm emotional, but that's all that nervousness and all that, you know, kind of built up coming out through the race. Um, and it, it, to me, it's a very emotional moment, right? It's very emotional for her to do her races, again, knowing that the world is watching in a sense and knowing that there's some that want to critique and criticize and, and say she shouldn't, um, but then also being elated and overjoyed that she did. We met up with Andrea at the Shoreline Championships. What did it feel like to win the 4 by one Nope, the 100 meter. That's why I wanted to ask you. Um, 
it felt really good. I didn't get the time that I wanted, so that's like, you know, upsetting. Mm. But I mean, I did so. I'm what did you run today? A 12.6. What time did you want? Like a 12, like a really low 12. <laughs> like a 12.2? Yeah. What do, you have to, what do you have to run to get a national? <laughs> 12.0. Uh-huh. Like that's what you thought. Not doing very good. <laughs> not not doing but good. And the last time I ran here, which was like two weeks ago, I got 12.3, so I don't know what's happening. A couple weeks after that meet, Andrea and Terry competed in the state open. But unlike in previous years, there weren't any major headlines about whether it was fair for them to compete. Because they didn't win. Uh, Terry was disqualified because of a false start, which happens to lots of athletes. And Andrea placed fourth in the state open. The times that we've seen Andrea and Terry get the most media coverage, it's when they've placed first and second in their respective races. And that didn't happen in the state open this year. And that's why we didn't see the coverage and the headlines that we'd seen in years previous. When transgender athletes lose, it doesn't fit the narrative that they are dominant and that they are stealing opportunities from cisgender girls. If an athlete who is trans is just like every other athlete that wins and loses sometimes, then how can you say that they are so dominant? And so when it doesn't fit the narrative, there isn't the coverage, there isn't the outrage, because there's nothing to be outraged about. But it creates this double-edged sword for these athletes where— you know, if they do win, it's not because they worked hard or because they are talented. It is because they are have an unfair advantage. And when they lose, there's no acknowledgement that they're just like everybody else. Knowing that there's been a lack of coverage recently made me think back to our conversation with Andrea. Because I was surprised that she actually doesn't want the attention to stop. Because I think the issue is we need to talk about the issue. And if I run, if I stop running... Then again, she's going to go dead. And I wouldn't want that to happen. So like, I have to keep running in order for people to keep talking about it. I just, I feel like that's so much pressure for a young person to take on. I think when I was a teenager, there's no way that I would have been able to take on something like this. You know, if Andrea had come out the first time that she ran against cisgender girls in track and run like... I don't know, a 12-5 and taken fifth place. This might have been a non-story, but that's not what happened. And so I think there's no way that this was going to play out any differently from a media scrutiny standpoint. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, Andrea didn't do this because she wanted media attention. Andrea runs track because she likes running track. And she runs track within the girls' category because she's a girl. And the fact that those things are controversial is beyond her control. Andrea has never really been a very confrontational person, but that doesn't mean that she's not strong. And Ghazi tells the story of this time that Andrea wore a Cinderella backpack to school. It was something that she just did. She liked Cinderella. She liked these, this backpack, and so she would wear it. And she was getting a lot of grief from kids, uh, making fun of her and telling her that she shouldn't be wearing that and so on and so forth. And Andrea just, like, looked at them and then walked away. Some people might read that as her cowering or might read that as weakness, but I actually think it's the opposite. It 
shows such strength and determination to not let people keep her down, but also just to have the will to turn away, not waste your energy. Um, takes a tremendous amount of strength and maturity. And as long as she continues to be on the track and continues to run and be competitive and be who she is, then she's winning. Katie Barnes is a reporter for ESPNW and ESPN.com. All right, that's our show. Credits. Our producer. Zakia Gibbons. Production fellow. Temi Fagbenle. Editor. Stephanie Joyce. Sound designer. Jeremy Bloom and Jared Paul. Executive producer. Paula Schumann. I'm Kathy Tu. I'm Tobin Lowe. Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Tobin. You probably forgot about me because Kathy totally wrote me out. Anyway, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>